Hi, welcome to a new episode of Engineering Rebuild. Do you think you know a lot about construction? Maybe we can provide a fresh perspective. This is a podcast where we rebuild preconceptions of engineering. Reclaim the narrative. And share the voices of women from across the construction industry. Why not join us? Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Engineering Rebuilt podcast. I'm your host, Yvonne Raleigh, and together with Lena Soderberg, we are joined today by the exceptional Louise Haney. Really looking forward to finding out more about you. So why don't you start us off by introducing yourself? I will indeed. So yeah, my name is Louise Haining. So I've been uh, working in the civil engineering sector for over 30 years. Uh, I graduated as a civil engineer way back in 1991, in fact, and um, and prior to that, I had a pretty mediocre childhood, really. Nobody in my, in my uh, world or family was into engineering or even vaguely university-based. So for me to go off and venture into, into engineering was, was quite a, a proud moment for my mom and dad, for sure. Uh, I don't know where I got it from. I guess for me, it was all about being hands-on. So I, I when I graduated from civil engineering, I went into contracting and that generally meant I was out on site and I absolutely loved it. Being out on site, making, solving problems and meeting people, being outside, being really reactive and cutthroat and understanding the issues, meeting people, dealing with people, leading people, all of that was exactly where I wanted to be. Um, I really enjoyed it, but I guess then over the years, you know, I've, I've got married and had children. Um, despite that, and having a work-life balance around that, uh, I still managed to get to sort of very senior positions and I'm really proud of myself because of it. And it doesn't come without its share of uh, trying to balance all of that. Um, but yeah, that, that's me. So I, I don't know if you want me to continue on. So I've worked both in a contractor environment, having graduated in civil engineering, joining Costa in civil engineering, and I've worked with them for over 12 years, doing some really amazing projects. Marine engineering was probably the, the bulk of it, doing some uh, really interesting um, Portsmouth sea defences and Portsmouth harbour refurbs, uh, understanding um, breakwaters and how we build them. It's really amazing. I, I couldn't believe my luck in, in the kind of work that I was doing. And then I went into a lot of highways works and then moved into temporary works, which is really understanding how we deliver and build projects, not just from a design, but actually literally building them in a temporary way um, to enable the people to be safe or the works to build while it's not yet uh, constructed. It, it, it was a it just enabled me to be really creative and curious about um, just the fundamentals of engineering. And that really set me up. I had a really inspiring manager in Costain who was the temporary works manager and he really made me 
very, very curious as to why things this would be and really challenge the design as a why would you design it that way? Could we do it a different way? Because it's much easier to build. And I think that kind of thinking stood me up for all the work that I went on to do when I left Costains um, into the world of a client because I joined the Environment Agency as a flood defence. I was a senior project manager with them. And um, I guess you could say, well, why did I leave Costain? Um, and that was that that issue around work-life balance. The uh, It was back in the 90s. Women in engineering wasn't really um, something that was really well seen or known. It was only about 15% of of graduates were women in those in that in that time, and I don't think actually it's it's got much better over the years. But um, I think they couldn't appreciate that I could have that job forever. Um, so in the end, just the work-life balance of moving around the country a lot, I just thought, Do you know what, I need a I need a more strategic um, uh, employer uh, and a, a role. And so that's why I joined as a senior project manager to deliver their strategic environment agency strategic um, flood defence works. And they also required something around procurement and managing contractors. So I thought with all my contracting background in the marine environment, it was a perfect opportunity. And it was. And I worked with them uh, for about five years or four, four years um, and had two children. Uh, and they managed it. I think that's the difference between contractor and client at those days. They really uh, accepted flexible working. They were um, able to understand you can have a life. It wasn't seven till seven. It was uh, it was conducive to having uh, and working with women who wanted to be part time. Um, but do, I think I, I hankered back to sort of engineering um, a little bit, but. I thought, do you know what? I want to have the time with my children. So I took actually three, three years out. I actually decided not to work uh, and just bring my children up because I thought you're never going to get this again. Um, and I, you know, and I joined all the voluntary stuff. I joined the PTA. I joined as a governor and I obviously hankered to doing something, but I still really wanted to spend time with my children. And it was the best thing I ever did. I'm really proud of my children now. They're 20 and 18 and uh, they're going, you know, my daughter's going on to engineering. My son is doing computer science. And I, I just feel, I wondered if I hadn't spent three or four years with them back in the day and creating them and helping them understand how I operate and how I look at stuff, would they have done the same? But I don't know, but certainly for sure, having that break was great. But getting back to work, was really difficult getting back to work um, to the level that I was at when I left was really hard. I think the industry really struggled with women coming back into work from when you've taken a break. Um, but in the end, I joined um, Highways England, as was the National Highways now, of course, and they were really excellent at bringing women back to work after they've taken a break. Um, and they saw the opportunity for me. Uh, they saw where it'd been, the contractor that already done the senior strategic work with, uh, with the Environment Agency. And um, yeah, they gave me a break and I stayed with them for five years and I rapidly moved up. They could see that I had great potential. Um, and, you know, I did I did really well. and I was very well respected. I've worked a lot in the regional and centralised areas, but it, it was a really a red tape environment, as you can appreciate working with uh, DFT and 
and that it, it was it was you know they couldn't decide whether they were regional or centralized and all of that creates its its um uh way of working um and in the end i just thought i'm not really getting what i want from it i'm losing my focus in engineering i'm being sucked into the world of of um sort of politics and and sort of really difficult decision making that was hard to do in a regional capacity so in the end i decided to join um a, a sort of uh, it was cola civil engineering um and they were a tier two contractor trying to become a tier one contractor and that really i really thought yeah i can make a really big difference here it was going back into the engineering um, and it really gave me, I was the engineering, uh, the head of engineering, I started to then start to look at asset management because they ran the DF, the PFI down in Portsmouth. And that really struck a chord with me, asset management, how you can really look at whole life costing of infrastructure, how you can really make decision making, how you can make data and asset information work for you to then call the shots for the investment of, uh, of the funding and balancing risks and opportunities. I, I, I really, as I say, it really helped me understand that that was the area that I really wanted to focus on. And and in the end, an opportunity came on the DBFO. Uh, what I neglected to say when I was in Highways England, I did run the DBFO from a contract side. So it was almost a gamekeeper, gamekeeper become poacher. So I've now, I now joined Connect Plus Services as their asset and project delivery director. So, uh, helping connect plus who were the ultimate special purpose vehicle for this dbfo do their asset management for them and then subsequently deliver all the schemes that come out of that investment decisioning so it's it's um yeah it's been a long 30 years and now i spend a long time explaining it but i'm really proud of what i've done I, I you can probably see in my face i'm very passionate about what i've done and having my children sort of see all of that is, is certainly something that I'm really uh, keen for them to see and, and, and learn from. That's amazing. That's so interesting. And um, yeah, I have loads of questions, but maybe as a starting point, um, do you have any kind of, you talked a lot about work-life balance and I think there's different challenges being, um, I think there are a lot of challenges that we still haven't solved with being a mother um, and managing your career alongside that. And I think we we still haven't gotten a lot better than that, even though maybe it's getting more attention and more focus now than it was, than it had been previously. But do you have any kind of advice for employers on what has helped you along the way or what, what have been good solutions or what you would have liked to have seen more of that would have made it easier? Um. Well, I agree with what you're saying. It's not, it's better, but it's still got a long way to go. And I, I sort of look back on that return to work piece for me with National Highways and they were a really great client in trying to push and seeing the opportunity and that richness of all these women who've had children, uh, who's, you know, their, their brains haven't been switched off. We're still here. We're still able to do things as much as we did before. Uh, and giving us an opportunity, so I'm, I'm welcome. I'm welcome of that. But that's obviously, I think, because they're a government body and they're keen to make sure that they're they're doing the right things. I think a lot of contracting world and a lot, probably the contracting world, has a lot to learn from that. And interesting, when I was in Highways England uh, or National Highways, um, I did reach out to 
Connect Plus here and uh, and Balfour Beatty, and I started to link up with the Balfour Beatty HR director. I remember now, Christina Brown, and we started to sort of investigate how Balfour Beatty could learn and how actually National Highways could learn. And there was the sort of cross, so so that cross sharing of of information at that HR level and at sort of director level. Um, needs, there needs to be more of that because I noticed there wasn't a lot of people doing that. In um, So I was probably the first to sort of start to reach out, I think. I think it's a lot better now. So certainly here in CPS, we uh, the, our HR person started to reach into the world of the, um, the client space um, and certainly a government client base um, to try and understand how we can do things better. Best practice sharing, isn't it? So as I say, that women back to construction, but it's also attracting um, the young people. So young children, understanding what they, you know, trying to encourage them into infrastructure and construction. Um, there's a whole piece of work around that because by the time I, you know, are there, our children, are young women um, put off joining in engineering because they know that at a point in time they're going to have children. They're, they're, they're like, that's not going to be easy for me. So there needs to be much more uh, acceptance and much more saying it, it really doesn't matter. So that's about showing people like me. I, I've done it. Well, I've learned from it, but I now uh, literally sort of try and help and encourage young mothers into the industry. So I will go and give, I don't give them a, um, I don't choose them over others. Clearly they need to be competent, but there's some sort of, I'm trying to reach into sort of mum's net and places like that and utilising what National Highways are doing to try and attract that kind of um, area of people, that, that, that mum's back to work people. Um, yeah, yeah, we we appreciate what their skills are because I mean I did have to start at a very much lower level and that 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 did it's it's not right. Uh, I didn't my brain didn't turn off and I didn't not I mean it doesn't disappear. So it's about making sure that those women who come back and and actually nowadays men are go taking breaks so it's not just women. Um, people who take sabbaticals for instance it's a similar sort of thing they go for whatever reason they can still come back and still contribute and it's making sure we don't lose touch with those people if they do go in your team so we do encourage and, and act because we're a joint venture we're a joint venture of Balfour BT Atkins and Aegis here at Connect Plus so there's a great opportunity for all three parent companies to work together and, we're, and again we're just starting out in that journey um, in trying to sort of try and share best practice in recruiting understanding our people and being more flexible but it's still it's still a lot to go on that I think but that that's what I'm trying to bring because I've had that experience I don't want anybody to feel like I felt that they've got to claw their way back up um yeah does that answer your question and I went quite around the houses on that so that's what we do here at CPS and that's we're reaching international highways to learn from what they've done yeah, no, I was going to say it's it's quite interesting. And we we talked to um, Rebecca Leprake, um a couple of weeks ago, and she's she works for Coles now, which is interesting. And they've just introduced this um, back to work thing for women who've been out of the industry for two or three years, helping them to get back into the industry. Um, and I think that it's interesting. I mean, that that seems to have come off the back of their work with um, National Highways. 
Um, and so it's interesting how the clients are slowly but surely driving. And the same, and we, we just, we've done, um, I've just been working on, a, on a, a major airport tender and there's a, there's a requirement in there for, for actually um, parents and, and things in the inclusion statistics, rather than just being like, we need this number of women and this number of this and this number of that, that it's much more broken down. And so the client is driving the agenda there and saying, okay, we want, we want a really diverse set of people on this project and this is how we want you to put it together. And I think that the problem is that contractors will always do the, the cheap solution um, because they're in competition with everybody else. And it's up to clients to say sometimes, well, look, this is what right looks like. And you now need to try and do what right looks like. Um, and that, that definitely helps. But yeah, I mean, I, I had two kids four years apart um, and obviously my daughter was disabled um, and coming back into the office and, and trying to have that conversation with what was a very old time contractor and she's 18 this year. Um, but having that conversation with, with Modem who were then taken over by Carillion and, and trying to say, well, look, I need flexibility because we're, we don't even know if she's ever going to walk. We, we don't know if she's going to talk. We don't know anything. At the moment, she's spitting every day, several times a day. And we need to have those conversations about, yes, I was capable of working, but there was, there was a balancing act to be had. Um, and I mean, in the end, I chose the Carillion guys at the time um, decided to close our office and said we all had to move to Manchester on a three months probation. Uh, and that just wasn't viable because Eleanor was um, was so fragile that the prospect of going somewhere for three months and then potentially having to come back when I needed an entire support network to do what I was doing was was impossible. So effectively, I was forced down the redundancy route. Um, and I was lucky because I found another contractor at that time um, who was happy for me to work from home all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the, the industry is really, really mixed in terms of its its ability to react to women. And there definitely are contractors out there that aren't making any effort at all. I'm sorry, it has to be said. Um, and there are contractors that do a bit better, but um, there's still a long way to go. I think there is an awful long way to go. And um, I don't need to call out any contractors, really. I think they probably know who they are, but I think they, they make the right noise well they make the right noises but I think I think what I'm finding is is that um they definitely want the diversity and then they they definitely do that but I'm not I'm not sure they just want the, the diverseness to come in and then they shape them and mold them to be like them and that's not the point of diversity the diversity is you bring someone in because they are different and you're you don't want to change them because and that that I do struggle with that a little bit Across the, I mean, it's across all, you know, obviously I've got three parent companies that, um, and, they're, and that I don't, they're all, they're all similar is that at a very senior level, they like to shape you into the same sort of mould, but that's not diversity. And we were, I'm working really hard on that here on Connect Plus actually, and Connect Plus services, because we, we are, you know, when I say Connect Plus, we're all one team and we, we do really try and work like that. And, I, and testament to Connect Plus themselves for trying to really push collaboration and that's an easily used word I know that but we do do a lot about um, the kind of people we do a lot of um, assessments of it's you know not Myers-Briggs but it's very a, a simpler version of that I'm sure you've heard of insights and all that it's a, it's a version of that 
um, so that we can understand what kind of people we are. We do a, um, the, another section is what kind of action logic you have. So, and that really means is that what do you, how do you typically look at things? Are you very, you know, it's all about achieving, just tell me what you need and I'll do it, deliver it. Or you're about timescales, um, yeah, sort of, you're an expert in something. Oh yeah, just, I'll tell you how to do it, but that's all I'm going to do. And the next bit is being more strategic about, yes, I know all of that, but actually I can put it all together and be a strategic um, deliverer. And what I've found is a lot of women tend to be better at that space. Um, so here on here, our diversity is amazing. So our senior leadership group must be almost 50% women. And in Connect Plus, it is pretty much the same. Um, and that's because I think we are looking for people or training people to be a certain sort of curious look, curious breed, because uh, you have to be curious. It's the only way really to to make sense of such a complicated environment. If you imagine the M25 and all this, the roads that lead in and out to London and a lot of ageing assets, you have to be really able to worry about everything and it's all ageing and we have 200,000 cars that travel around Heathrow every day, you know. So there's a lot going on. So being able to be a, a bit different in your thinking and not just about delivering and delivering and delivering is really helpful. So I think that's probably why we've got a diverse mixture of people because we look, when we do recruitment, we look for the, not just your competency, but your, the way you operate and where your brain thinks. I think there's some real, some learning there between us all of of that it's um we've worked hard on that and all the framework contractors that work with us have to also go through that process to come on the job and you know and it's all not perfect and there's a lot of balanced scorecards that people don't like but it's all about having a dialogue with someone not just chatting it's about 360 feedbacks and that's not it's not, there's not that many people like that but they're learning because the only way to get improve is to get that feedback. I, I don't know. I, I find that it's a lot easier to talk to a woman about improvement points than it is to have the same conversation with a man about improvement points. I mean, I know that's a massive generalisation, but but generally speaking, in thirty years of doing this industry, men tend to be more argumentative about about criticism. And women tend to be a lot more open to discussing it in a in a more level way. Um, but I agree with that. I think that's what we're trying to do here with this lead coach program that we've got is to help people, any persons, to, to accept that. Don't be defensive and just be curious as to why someone would have said it. It's very hard. I I could be very defensive as well, especially when, you know, I, I put a big transformation process in for the, all of my team and, you know, the Connect Plus were like, what are you doing that for? Why are you doing that? And, the, you know, and it was very hard not to sort of, well, I'm doing this because I know what I'm doing and being defensive. So you're sort of, the way we operate is to try and, they call it iceberging. I, that, that's the term that, that the, the consultant has come up with. But really, it's just having a, it's asking lots of whys, isn't it? Why have you done that? And it's that and and I, I don't like to say it's necessarily women are better but what I've noticed here there are more women <laughs> whether that's the same thing or not I don't know but it's great I mean it's really it's it's a it's a great community it's but we've worked hard we've been here now 15 years so or 14 years four and a half years so I guess they 
and we're, we're by no means perfect. Um, but, you know, and still it's all commercial outfits and all that. And we have to recognize that we're all, we're all businesses. Sorry, do you think there's an element of like once you've attracted a few women and you've been able to change the culture a bit and you've been able to change people's behaviors a bit, then suddenly you have more flooding in because they found a good space and it's somewhere that they want to stay? I think so. I'd I'd really like to say that that's what we're finding. Um, But the trouble I think I've got here in... in, um, working in let's call it maintenance it's seen as not a very sexy area and we're trying to work in um in our space of trying to promote it's about asset management it's because actually you know there's not all the money to be sustainable there's not clients just don't have the money anymore so it's less about people wanting to join us because they love what we do and how we operate it's more do you know i'm not really that bothered that you're you know repairing bridges or inlaying a bit of pavement you're not building hs2 and you're not building the sexy lower thames crossing that's what we have to try that that's the trouble we have it's what we do and it's making asset management look sexy i'm afraid and we, um, there's a, we're actually looking at that and how to promote it and i think gradually even i had a conversation with um phil clifton the managing director of balfour Beatty. obviously he's our he's our md for our side and he totally gets the fact that to be the for all his clients that he works to to be sustainable you've got to think in in a sort of asset management way because clients just don't have the money so we're gradually turning it and we're trying to say there's great opportunity in doing the best with what you've got and balancing risks around risks and innovation you have to be so innovative because you know you have to be careful with the investment profiles that you've got and all the risks around all the condition that that you don't necessarily need to, that, well, you might not have because there's a lot of assets out there. You've got to know the conditions of them to make that investment profile. So there's a lot of risk in that and you have to balance all of that. Um, it's a great, it's a great opportunity for, I think, for a lot of engineer, young graduates or young or, or people changing careers to learn about, you know, how to make the right decisions you know, we, we're huge, but it, as I go back to my thing. It's it's not always what everybody wants to do when they come out of university or or change their their change in their area. So that's what I'm working on. Ne- not necessarily uh, finding that women are coming to us because they can see a lot of us here, or we have quite a like a, a racial spread as well. So our um, our uh, our BAME community, and we've got quite it's quite diverse. I can honestly say with we're pretty good in that sense. And I, I don't think we've really understood why the root cause of that, I think, is still yet to be determined. And is it because, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're working on it. I've not been here that long. and I've been here three years. So there's still a whole people strategy that we're developing to try and understand the why on that. I mean, my my experience is that you really can't underestimate the impact that individuals and individual behaviors have on on wider culture and so I really wouldn't underestimate I mean this has been such a brilliant and really inspiring conversation um I really wouldn't underestimate the impact that you're having just by being on that project with that with that behaviors and those attitudes and 
and inspiring people to think differently. Um, so, Louise, you clearly have a lot going on at work and you sound like you're very busy, but I feel like everybody needs something outside of all of that as a de-stress or a hobby or or, or something like that. What what do you do um, in your free time yeah. or what's your hobby? I, I absolutely... Yeah, no, I absolutely, the, the, the stress levels, the, the, I, I get to the point of, it was about two years ago, really, when, I, and it, there's a lot going on. So I needed something I needed to sort of try and relax or change my, my sphere of influence. And I, and I started sea swimming and <laughs> what, what started out is my friend who's a triathlete, <laughs> which if you saw me, you'd know I'm not a triathlete. And she said to me, come and do some sea swimming. And I absolutely love the cold. It's I, I can't stand being hot. I love the cold. And, and so I, it wasn't the cold that I was worried about. It was the swimming. So she's come with me. We're down at Shoreham Harbour. It's very safe. Um, so I started in January <laughs> and uh, I didn't have a wetsuit. <laughs> so I went in and I, I can't tell you, it was the most amazing experience that just that very, I can even remember to this day, I remember it. Um, and everybody was amazed I could get in and stay in. That's because I love the cold. And um, I swat, it was only about, I think I was in there for about 10 minutes. Um, and that was enough because it was very cold. It was like six degrees in the, in the sea. But the tingling and the sensation and the amazement of that afterwards, I just had to go back. And I've been going every single weekend uh, since, since that two years. So I don't, I, you know, unless I'm on holiday or something, I never miss it. It's the whole experience actually. It's not just going in. And, and I, now my friend was going for a really awkward, um, separation and a divorce. And actually I said to her, you need to come see swimming with me. So now she is come. And for the last 18 months we've been going together and it's the whole experience going in, swimming, sitting on the beach, having a cup of tea. The whole thing is absolutely great for your wellbeing. It, it's, amazing I'd, I'd recommend anybody doing it it's it's been a life saver for me and she says the same well cold water is meant to be very good for reducing stress and anxiety isn't it a lot of people say that's helped them as cold showers so why not do it in the sea <laughs> that's it it's kept me here I do cold showers as well every day so yeah the whole the whole piece is and it's good for your immunity as well no covid that sort of thing so it's all good I'd recommend it and um but not the triathlete piece I can't do that <laughs> I'm not getting on the bike or running anywhere it's swimming well I don't know so it's funny what you because I am not a triathlete um but I wonder where the line goes so earlier this year I'd never ridden a road bike with cleats um I didn't know how to front crawl I'd never known how to front crawl didn't think I'd ever figure it out because I tried a few times um but but I got really excited about this race and I signed up for a triathlon <laughs> and and then was like okay now I need to figure the rest of the piece out and um I've done I've done a sprint triathlon now as a test and and you know what I'd I don't know. I think we shouldn't set the bar so high for what an athlete is or what a triathlete is because I did a sprint triathlon. I learned how to front crawl. It's it's so within reach. Like you don't have to be the best or you don't even have to be good to do it. It's it's a lot of fun and I think we set the bar a bit high for people of what it takes to cut, to go in and I mean just do something for the sake of it and for the fun of it and not 
that's a very fair point and I'll take that feedback. I've I've stopped myself doing it. Is what you're saying is anything is possible and I should even if it takes me a lot of time to It's a living outside your comfort zone thing. I love living outside your comfort zone. That's I mean that's that's the thing that this year has brought is is everything I do now I think how can I push myself outside my comfort zone? And that's why we did this po- this podcast in the first place. Well, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily have joined you this isn't my comfort zone but actually it's been absolutely comfortable you've made it so so thank you (laughs) i think people expect it to be scary but it's not no (laughs) it's been great so uh louise this section of recording has really flown by i feel like we could talk for absolute ages but we have not, not loads of time left and we have one question that we like to ask everybody so uh what would you like to see change in the construction engineering industry over the next five years? That's a big one. Um, and actually, my mind always goes back to what I currently do. And um, so at the moment with asset, I'm re- as you can hear that the asset management piece is really dear to my heart. And and the the construction industry needs to understand that data, data quality and, and data management is the biggest thing to enable us to do the right things from decision making to constructing properly to being right first time to be safe and all of that but i know that that's probably maybe not what you want to hear um but that's where i that's my biggest thing and the next thing for me is i know you said only one so i'm trying i'm trying to build it up <laughs> the that i thought that wasn't enough that wasn't enough and then i thought well what about the climate and the climate change because here we're trying to really understand how that features and you know, all our clients are pushing for this carbon agenda. And I really do think if we're going to tackle that, we really need to put that right there on a strategic objective and really build that in. And we're certainly trying to do that, but not seeing the movement on it. So I thought that, but I thought, no, that's still not big enough. And then to me, it's, I go back to the people in construction. I'm really, that this is, this, this is the answer. Uh, it's getting people into construction because I just don't see them coming. I do not see the the next generation and and that really worries me because there's a lot of infrastructure still to either keep going to really you know keep it for the next generation or to build or to understand technology and you know it was a real struggle to even get my own daughter to do engineering she was just like no I'm not interested and even now she's doing engineering but she's really thinking well I might not I might not stick it out I'll go and do finance so I just that's the biggest so what needs to change is something around how we promote and I know this is the age old thing but how we really get young people and I mean probably very young people recognizing that asset management and infrastructure engineering or even social engineering you could build a whole piece on on that and make it a lot more and make it a lot more sexy I'm going to go back to that word make it really interesting make it 21st century with technology whatever it needs and i i think we need to do that together and i i I think that's the biggest thing otherwise we ain't going to be able to do the data and the co2 in that because we haven't got the people to do it uh so got to come together um and i know that's said by a lot of people but and i don't know what the solution is but it's definitely what needs to happen that's getting more people to be the next generation of engineering and construction people well, there has to be a really 
exciting challenge. I know our complex major projects are very challenging and I'm not going to under undersell or simplify that in any way, but there has to be something really exciting in these asset management schemes where what we're where we're trying what we're trying to do is is do as much as possible with as little as possible and make the most of what we've already got and from a climate perspective that's exactly what we want to be doing everywhere so that skill set is going to be hugely value, valuable how do we avoid just going down the line of oh we need this let's build it from scratch where's that kind of creative innovative mindset that's going to be required to go this is what we have how do we do as little as possible to make it what we need how do we become really resourceful um yeah i think those are really exciting skill sets uh and a really no i i i totally agree it isn't what what i'm founding yeah yeah i guess what i'm finding a lot of the asset management space doesn't isn't because engineer i'm going to be brought a bit like you were saying yvonne about being general sometimes a lot of the engineering sector can be very uh micro in the way they operate right and they're very delivery focused right get it from there to there we're done move on to the next Whereas to be in an asset management space you have to be more creative and and, and feel safe in not knowing what the future looks like you're okay with it i can see it's going to get there and i'm okay with thinking that it's going to get there but a lot of people can't work in that space. So there's almost like you need sort of a bit of training in being safe in uncertainty uh, early on. Sounds like a good life skill generally. <laughs> Can you help me with that? <laughs> being happy and not knowing exactly what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> I I think that's where my life is, is I can be. And I I struggle with people who can't. So I assume people live in my world, but they just don't and I have to be able to so what I struggle with is communicating with people who, who don't um, so I have to try and change my approach and and it's it's a two-way thing and that's about proper conversations and and again maybe that's what we're not connected we're not connecting people with the right things it's almost like we don't need engineers we need marketing people to sell engineering and, in, and asset management to people and we've always put engineers looking at the, at the marketing. We think we need to bring marketing people in to tell everybody else how great we are. So yeah, there you go. That's my view. And on that note, I think we have to wrap up, unfortunately. It's been amazing speaking to you. Yvonne was completely right. You're so inspiring. I've, I've really loved this conversation. I really, really Good. have. I've really enjoyed it. I can, you can tell by the big smile on my face. I love talking about it, so yeah. Come and see the M25. The M25 is such an amazing and interesting, weird and wonderful place. We've... Thank you so much for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Engineering Rebuilt. We hope you enjoyed being part of the conversation. Please join us next time to hear more diverse stories from people who are reclaiming their narrative to rebuild engineering.